Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. I've been doing something this week. I've been working on vocals. So let me sing yeah. you the song of my people. Yeah! <laughs> I think you just scared everybody away from ever listening to this podcast again. The song of my people is fuzz. And that's what fuzz sounds like, folks. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to get into the whole um, terrible vocal thing of. No, 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 of, no. no. Uh, we're not going to do Cookie Monster. Late. No, no. Raw, 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 raw. You know what? Um, so in prep for a potential topic in the very near future, Jim and I have been tasked with listening to a playlist of music that, um, I don't think either of us would normally be seeking out. Um, and there is definitely some like cookie monster vocals going on, but I will say that the wide range of stuff that was presented to us there's different variations on that, that now like I can accept some of it and some of it I can't. Um, and we'll get into that when we get to that episode, but it's, but it's interesting. Yep. And I think, I, I think uh, it'll be good for our listeners to hear Jim and I argue about what we hate. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a, yeah, I think that what we, what we like and dislike about it are going to be completely different uh, things altogether. Oh, absolutely. I, I think so too. Um, so anyway, uh, I'll start. I want to start off this episode because we're going to talk about some of Jim's new gear. What's what's new with him and all that. Uh, but, but before we get there, um, I I have just come into month three in the year of no gear. Um, panic is setting in. Uh, everyone is so proud of you, David. No, I, I so there are some people in the group where I get the feeling that they're kind of ribbing me, but it's like you know they they actually do respect what I'm trying to achieve here. Yep. which is really nothing. Um, yeah, and literally, uh, literally nothing. I have moments where I feel like I'm very empowered by this and moments where I feel like, holy fuck, what did I get myself into? Yep. Um, as my wife says, like over the last couple of days, since I played at Fillmore and um, not the venue, but the amp and okay. uh, have that talked been about, yeah, that would have been something. And talked about some other things around the the uh, house and and uh, musicians I'm listening to and stuff. She she's coined this phrase, and I I want to give this to the world. Um, and I'm pr- I'm sure you probably all heard this phrase before, but it's called a tone boner. <laughs> and uh, uh. <laughs> so now, when I describe something I like in my house, but I'm talking to my wife specifically, not the outside world. We call it a tone boner. Okay. So the Mesa right. Fillmore has given me a raging tone boner. I'm sure it has. <laughs> but you know, the Fillmore will be there in a year. I mean, in nine months. It will be, but I want it sooner. Okay. Doesn't change I it. it. Doesn't change it. All right. So we're going to talk um, about what I'm doing. Uh, so we'll talk about why I had to, uh, I had to get new gear. So yep. um, the band, uh, Side to call it quits. I think yeah, I made that. We talked story. about this integration last week. So I made a decision. Okay, I'm going to go solo. And I tried to use a Boss RC3 looper. And uh, <clears throat> to be honest, 
after, you know, I got it for a great price used. And uh, after a little use, I returned it because I, not because it wasn't good. I think that anybody who's looking to loop their guitars is fine with that. But um, the one thing that almost every one of these devices does is when you push the button to stop the loop you're in, it immediately wants to loop or begin another loop. It goes into immediate overdub mode. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want that. I want to stop the loop and not be an overdub. I, the, the next time I hit it, I can stop again. I want, want to say that the uh, Digitech Jam Man XT or whatever, you can actually set it so it won't automatically go into overdub mode. I, right. I want to say that. Um, I haven't used mine a whole lot. Once I got the Helix, I started using Looper in there. And it's got yeah. two different variations. So. Yeah. So um, the uh, Voice Live 3 went on sale on the musician's friend uh, Deal of the Day. Whatever we call it, Stupid Deal of the Day. And uh, I picked that up, got it, and started playing with that. Um, it has three loops you can control. Um, unfortunately, without an external thing to get to C, get the loop C, because you got A, B, and C, um, you have to do a little toe tapping. But you can change, um, you can modify buttons on your Voice Live 3 so that I can make that swap make, done much more simply. Mm. So you can play loops A and B together, or A and I think it's A and B and A and C, but not B and C. It's just a, it's a thing about it. Yeah. So, but you can overdub all day long. So you can overdub, um, like loop A, overdub, overdub, overdub. As long as you don't exceed that 15 minute. Right. Board time. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, and that's the other side of it. You can only have 15 minutes of looping in it, which is really not a lot. And they don't have any expansion for that, which I find weird. In that um, they have a external USB, you'd think they could just read from the USB, but they don't. You have to load it even in their extreme version, which has much much more time. You still have to take that data from USB and load it into the extreme well, to use it. And and that goes back to and. It, the design philosophy that a lot of these companies take when they're designing a piece of gear. Um, so like a computer, all of these machines have basically a, a processor and then they right. have a, you know, an amount of Ram memory. And then yep. they, they usually have some sort of hard drive storage, which is usually flash based now. Um, and right. even the, the processors themselves are often EP ROM based. So they're a flashable thing, which means they run Unix or Linux of some variation, and it's stripped down to exactly what that machine needs. Um, right. And so when you when you're talking about you know these loops and stuff, I mean, really, 15 minutes of loop time is what? Like, I mean, it's a couple. It's a lot. It's a cup. Well, no, it depends. 24 by 96. One. So one. That's a wave file. Yeah, one wave file at 24 by 96. I mean, we're talking. I don't know what the number is offhand, but I could do that in, in logic and the, my file size is under 50 meg. So yeah. nowadays, I mean, that kind of hard drive storage, hard drive storage is cheap, but they're going as small as they can 
to get the stuff that they can fit onto their their uh, their boards and also to make remember, the prices inexpensive. Well, rem- also remember that this thing is uh, let's see, time wise, it came out twenty fourteen, right? So it is already four years old. Um, the extreme came out later. Um, the other thing the extreme can do now, this is something you can do with the Voice Live Three. There's a little life hack for that. Um, is that the extreme can automate in um, in your song mm-hmm. can automate where um, it will uh, switch on and off um, effects, oh, okay. both guitar and vocal. That makes sense. So you can you can go back and you can you can automate your guitar and vocal effects. Now, a life hack for that, which was already in the voice live, it wasn't, it wasn't too hard to figure out, MIDI. Yeah. So you can pre-program a MIDI controller, which you can do with your iPad. Yeah, I mean, or you can per- use all kinds phone. of crap as a MIDI controller now. Right. You can use your phone. Right. And um, there's a, um, a program called Setlist, which many of us use. I do, I do as well. Which has a MIDI um, plug-in you can buy for four dollars, and you put that in there, and now you've got with the with a cable that you can buy for ten, fifteen bucks, yeah, a MIDI cable that does USB. Um, you can connect right into your phone, and boom, you're you're now, or you can use a laptop, and then your set list um, changes all your settings on the fly, and you're good to go. Done. Um, done. The only thing, so that doesn't affect your ability to loop, though. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't allow you to save pre-save loops and things like that. No, but if you're going to use an external device anyway, which most of us are going to, um, you're going to have most singers. I'm not talking about the singer songwriter doing a coffee shop gig. Most of us that are doing club gigs are going to have some lyrics or something, a set list, something on an iPad. Right. So we're we're going to have something there that allows us. To go ahead and run in uh, to the auxiliary and run track tracks or loops anyway that you create outside of it. So I'm like, well, I create all my looping through Ableton mm-hmm. or you know whatever. Yeah, and we talked about that. Jim and I had a long conversation when he had mentioned that he was he was uh, planning on pursuing a solo project like this. Um, and I'm kind of doing the same thing, but I'm doing like either a I'm making my own tracks or I'm yep, which be, is what I'm doing now. Going to be trying to look for um, original masters kind of deals with you know drop guitar and vocal. Um, yep. And I find that it's easier to do that than it is to run loops. It's definitely yep. easier to prepare it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the loops themselves, like people. So there are people that are incredibly proficient at like sitting there and playing, you know, drums on their guitar and doing it, you know, through a looper and with they're playing acoustic or whatever. And I've just never been that guy to be like, all right, I'm just going to record this loop and I'm going to rock and roll. And I've used loopers pretty heavily. I mean, it's not like um, it's not like it's a once in a while thing. Like I always have a looper up on my Helix patch because uh, even for doing demos, like I'm working on this Pinnacle demo. The Wampler Pinnacle, uh, Deluxe B2, whatever, There's, it's a long name. Um, and I'm using the looper to just do a riff or like a, a short section of recorded music where I'll have like a lead part and then like a rhythm part and then a heavier rhythm part. And, and then I'll run it through the pedal and I can, I can turn the knobs while it's all automated so I don't have to actually play my guitar while I'm running the, the loop. Um, right. Which is 
I mean, we've all seen guys do it. Knobs does it, you know, I, I mean, everyone does it in videos. Uh, for a pedal that's a lot more complicated, such as the Wampler Pinnacle, this is the format to run this pedal, like, because there's a lot of different switches and options on it. And just being able to do that short loop, like maybe 30 seconds, like I'll have to do it four or five times before I'm, before I'm comfortable with it being, you know, appropriate right. for the, for the recording. Good thing is I don't have to play the loop on the, on the, the demo. I can play the, you know, the loop beforehand and then just save it and then come back later and be like, all right, play. I mean, I can't turn off my helix, but, um, at least I can get away with it that way. I don't think the Helix saved the loop in memory uh, past turning off and turning back on. I have a, I have a Digitech uh, Jamman XT for that too. So, yep. but that's the other thing we were talking about is like playback. If you're going to use tracks, does the uh, the Voice Live allow you to use tracks through it, or do you have to? Um, yeah, you're going to have to use a separate thing to run tracks. No, you can you can run the track right through the Voice Live. Okay, so. I can run a track into the aux. Oh, because that's an aux input. All right. And then just, yeah, because, I mean, and that's the other thing. If you're you're a solo artist and you have something like this, you're going to take a break, which most of us do. Yeah, you plug in your iPhone iPhone in, play a song, walk away. Right. So really, your tracks can also include, right in between, you've got a set list that you're going to play so that you can make sure that the songs you're going to sing later aren't songs that go over the house PA while you're on break. So the last thing you need is for the, the jukebox to play a song that you're about to do when you're getting on stage. Right, right. Now let me know. Let me tell you, that happens. Yeah, I don't really care if it does or not. Um, well, I'm you just going to go up and give it my best and freaking blow people's heads off. <laughs> that's that's that's, that's like that's, you did at the beginning of this podcast. That's my that's dude. I take no fucking prisoners, man. Like when I'm <laughs> going up on stage, I, I told you about that gig. I think we talked about it on the podcast where I went in to um to sit in with uh. He was what he was the band leader for at some point for like cool in the gang or something like that. But he was a right. pian- piano player, and yep. um, he was like, "Can you hang?" Because we weren't even supposed to be there. Like we were invited, and we, nobody told him. So he's like, "Can you hang?" And I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, I got this." And he was like, he was asking me to stay. Like he, yep. I, I had to leave when it was like early because I was like, "Man, I got to drive out to the burbs. I got to work tomorrow." Right. And he's like, "No, he's like, you can stay if you want." And I'm like, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> like, that, that, you know, like I, I got it. Like, um, yep. that that was that was a strange situation. But I mean, like, that's that's my attitude. Is like, no, dude. Like, I'm gonna take no prisoners. So if they, they right. play the song of the jukebox, I'm just gonna hit another fuzz pedal in the middle of it. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna do something to make people go, "What the hell was that?" Like, you know, turn on the phaser. <laughs> Well, you know, the other part of it is that as a solo act, I think that um, there's a there's a certain point that your own voice will start to wear on the audience or your own playing will start to wear on the audience. So it's nice to have the ability to use these vocal effects processes, which is really what the voice live does the best. That's what it does best. Yeah. So let's touch on that for a minute too. So you said that to me the other night and, and I agreed, like I get, I, I understand, but, but I think from my position, so you, you yep. see yourself as a vocalist guitarist. I see myself yes. as a guitarist as a guitar primarily. And I think that's where, that's where we should start this conversation really is you're primarily the guitar player who's singing because he has to. And I'm the singer who's playing guitar because he has to. Yeah. So 
let's let's talk about those two differences because how we look at that is exactly how when we get on stage, you or myself, we're going to we're going to take things differently. So let's talk about that right away cuz for me, the voice live has built in guitar. I do not have to bring my my amp one. Now, so, that doesn't mean I won't. Yeah. I don't have to. So let's talk a little bit about that. So and what makes those decisions and what you would do for a setup for um, live versus what I would do. So go. Uh, all right. So just going to like, let's, I think a good scenario for this is going, going to a jam or an open mic where you're going to have to play through somebody else's amp. Right. Okay. So, so you're so, going, all right, let's start with the somebody so, else's amp. So you, bring your own, so you bring your own guitar. All now, you're bringing is your guitar. Right. So when I come in, what, what everybody wants to bring, like you think in the back of your head, like I should bring a pedal because then I'll at least have like, I'll have some semblance of the sound that I use. Now I've done this, right? Here's one of the pedals that I brought. This is a Barber trifecta. This is a fuzz pedal, right? Right. And that should tell you right there, like where my allegiances lie as far as coming in and saying, okay, this is, this is how I'm going to sound. Cause it's never like when you do those kind of open mic, it's I, for whatever reason, it's never a dirty amp. It's right. always like, uh, uh, it's always a super clean amp. Yeah. A Fender, uh, a Fender deluxe or a DeVille or a blues junior. And you don't, and, and at least for my needs, I don't know what a drive pedal is going to do to that amp. Like I can guess. And yeah. if I've had experience with it before, then yeah. But, but when you, when you're like, Oh, I'm going to go to this jam night, you're not thinking, Hey, I wonder if they're going to have a deluxe reverb or if it'll be a hot rod, you know, like, you know what I mean? So if I bring this, this is going to change the sound of whatever the hell I plug it into, but because, the Barbarella? but because, yeah, be, but because it's a, because <laughs> it's a, a buzz pedal, like the, the gain is so ridiculous that it's, it's going to still sound like this pedal regardless. And it's going to feel like this pedal because it's already sat, all the saturations coming from this thing. Like, well, why not your helix? Why not your helix? And just tell them to take the um, pull the mic out of the um, thing, plug it right in. You know. All right. So that's why I bought. Just curious. So that's just why curious. I bought the helix originally. So open mics are kind of a different situation because you get a few minutes to set up for an open mic. But a jam night, like you just come out, throw your stuff on the floor. I would definitely take the helix to an open mic where I can say, "Hey, I just want to do direct front of house, and then yep. and then just run my own line out to their their you know their amp and. Just make sure you bring an XLR cable or a quarter inch cable. Whatever and I, just tweak, I tweak the one patch I'm going to use that night and yep. away, away I go. Um, the uh, disadvantage to doing that in a, in a jam situation is, okay, what's their PA? Is their PA going to have an open channel for me to use? Um, does well, their amp, can there? I go direct into the effects loop on the amp? Then I got to disable my cabinet model in order. To, so it's just like a whole thing where you really, it can be done, but it's a lot more prep work than I want to do to go to those kind of situations. Well, okay. So realistically, realistically, if you go into an open mic, okay. And I've been to pretty much thousands of open mics across a wide variety of this planet. Okay. I'm talking about in America and beyond. Um, typically, even if they don't have an open channel, like let's say it's a, um, it's a full band, uh, um, open mic. Yeah. Um, uh, which I imagine you're calling out a jam thing. Um, no, well, no, I'm talking about an actual open mic where like people come up with their whole band and play. Like, yeah, those well, I'm talking about like, a house band. Well, they're, they're willing to play with you. Oh yeah, um, sure. Sure. Um, most of the time, the ones I've gone to haven't been that way, but uh, yeah, right. I've been to a couple now, of those too. 
Right. Now, if you go to an open mic, whether they have an, um, a full band that's willing to play with you or or just a single person up there, they're going to have an open. Uh, they can open yeah. a channel. You, usually, you know? usually they can they can make it work. But again, that's prep time, and a lot of times they want to get you up and out, up and in and out as fast as possible. So I always try to ask before I sign up. Is like how much time yeah. do I have to set up? I mean, I can always throw my Helix in the trunk and then yeah. have it available to me. But I don't like leaving my shit in the car, especially like those kind of situations. Well, I don't gig in the city very often. It's usually in like really fancy fucking upper class suburbs. To be honest with you. Well, I'm so sorry that you're. Look, I go to Virginia Beach, so yeah. Like, yeah, when you get going to Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have friends. Yeah, a lot of friends, Facebook friends that are in Martha's Vineyard area that do that all the time. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, so there's a difference. I mean, so now for me. Most people would think, okay, you're you're a guy who plays guitar. You're probably going to bring one of your acoustics. Honestly, I bring an electric, and I try to bring some like the amp one now. But before that, I used a Boss ME80. I used a, um, you know, a single yeah. pedal semi simulator. Um, now I can bring the voice live. I can say, hey, I'm going to connect this, mm-hmm. and I can pop their XLR off the back of the mic, plug it into mine, put an XLR cable up to the mic. Um, and the guitar in, and now I'm just one right through the channel into the same channel going out to the, yeah, um, which is, which is unit. hugely advantageous. I mean, yeah. then you're just throwing, and if you got it all on mounted on a pedal board, just throw your pedal board down, plug it yeah. in and then yeah. plug your two, two audio cables and you're done. So, yeah. So, um, now that said, um, open mics are pretty much easy for me. I mean, I usually do bring, I, I it depends on the open mic, and I know most of the people. I mean, if the first time I go to an open mic, I'll usually just go to feel it out. Yeah. I'll go because somebody, somebody will loan you a guitar. Yeah. Hey, man, I borrow your axe. You know, I don't. Well, see, I've never, I'm never big on that. I always bring a guitar. Even if I'm not going to play, I have it with me. It's like in, my, in my hands, and it's like I'll play no, anywhere. If I don't want to play, time. I'm not bringing an axe. And that way, they no matter how much they say, "Hey, man, you got to get up." I'm not getting up there. No, I don't care. I and and that may sound like assholeish, but I've never had I've never had one I've gone to where I've been like, "I'm not playing." Yep, like, I've had plenty where I'm like, you know what? I just came out to feel it out. I don't. I have no interest in getting up here. Um, and we should um, we should uh, tell some open mic horror stories. Oh. So I went to a, so I went to an open mic a few weeks ago, and. Uh, there was this guy that gets up there and they had a house band and they had to teach him how to play the songs that he wanted to play. So they spent, you talk about a few seconds to plug in a chord to, this is an open mic night. People are always waiting. You know, we're always tired. We go because we hoping that the place will hear us play. So they'll hire you, you know, that's the whole thing. Or or you go in to meet people, and that's what that's right. my in, thing. Yeah, you, you went in to jam with some folks that were like, "Hey, why don't we get together? Hey, why don't we get together an open mic? That way, nobody gets together at somebody's house." A lot of people are weird that way. I don't yeah. want people at my house, and I don't know. Um, yeah, you're gonna we'll love get, it when I show up. <laughs> yeah, well, I already know you, but um, oh fuck, then, I'm sorry then. Yeah, I know it's. <laughs> I've been warned. Um, so anyway, we get up there, and and this guy, he didn't. And of course, the the star of the open mic is always somebody who can't perform, save their life. 
but they're the star of the open mic. They're the, they're the karaoke king or karaoke queen of the, of the world. There's a Kenny Chesney song that talks about the karaoke queen. There's a couple queen. of, been a couple of places where I've gone and like the, the, the house band has been really good. Oh yeah. Usually the house band is awesome. Oh, so you're not if talking about the, you're talking about band. the guy that's getting up to perform. I'm, yeah. I'm talking about the guy. Or, there's a guy in this area. I won't mention his name because good Lord, he might, he might um, actually listen. <laughs> yeah. He might actually listen to the podcast once. And, um, anyway, uh, <laughs> he gets up every time he's like, yeah, I got the, and he sings and he has no range. So he's always, you know, every song, has less uh, dynamics than my speaking voice during this podcast. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And um, so he'll get up there and he's like, yeah, now I'm going to do this song. And uh, it's my last two. Like, like this is your performance. And, and, and you, now I guess I'll get down so some other folks can get up here. Like nobody has been begging you to stay up there, bro. You can get down anytime. <laughs> Well, he wants you to know that he really enjoys being up there. Yeah, and it's it's just the attitude. I think it's hard for me to express on a podcast, but everybody knows that person. They're up there. That's their stage. I mean, they own it. They own it. Whether they are good or not, they own it. Mm -hmm. And then they get off stage, and it's like, oh god. I had I had one guy get up. Here's the other. Here's the other danger of open mics because they're open mics someone will always get up and sing with you or grab a guitar and play behind you. I had one guy sit down and try to bang out a rhythm behind me. And I was like, Oh, thank you for getting up here and completely blowing my, my whole thing. Cause I, I don't care about my performance. Honestly, it's an open mic who gives a shit. Right. But dude, can you let me, just do my, I didn't get up there and blow your performance out. Yeah, the door. Just let me do my thing. I didn't invite yeah, you up here. You didn't ask like, what the hell are right. you doing? I mean, what are you doing? You, you can't even keep time, bro. Just stay off the drum thing or the, the, what do they call that thing that people sit on and bang? I, the cajon. The, the cajon. The cajon. The cajones. The cajones. They're sitting there. <laughs> they might as well call it the cajones. Why do you keep <laughs> you got some fucking balls. <laughs> You got some big brass balls back there. This is terrible. I think I, I think somebody should invent one where if you sit down on it and you're not supposed to be up on stage and you and you start tapping away, it reaches out and punches you right in the nuts or right or, in the, the genitals. Yeah. It don't matter if you're a man or, or woman. Or it zaps you there. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> it can be the cojones. <laughs> I still don't know. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's that's my thing. I I. If I go to an open mic, not to play, just to go, um, I just go. And then if I decide to play, I play. I'm, you know, it's just hard to, to, um, so, you know, in order for me to get my lazy ass off the couch, like I, and I say laziness and like use the sense of the term, because I do a lot all the fucking time, but, but in order for me to get off the couch, like I have to go to play. Like if I go there, and I go and just sit around and watch people, I'm going to fucking lose it. Because I'm just like, here I am, you know, this guy that doesn't play enough, now yep. now sitting in a club full of people that are wanting to watch people play, or at least are getting some sort of entertainment out of it, some sick satisfaction out of watching the poor saps. And, like, that's why, I'll be like, just, just, I'll just get up there. I'll bring my guitar. I'm not going to mess around, like. <laughs> Most most open mics or other musicians sitting yeah, they there are. with their yeah, arms they are. folded. It's it, and, well, 
the the one that I the the one that I've gone to twice now has been a mix of like performers and drunks. And like that's the way I I like it. I like those. Yes. I love those. Yes, the performance performers and drunks. Um Yeah. Cuz I'm playing for the drunks, not the performers. I could give a fuck about the performers. Yeah. That's there. So um that I feel the same way. So like yeah, the guitar players in the room are not going to be impressed by me. They've all seen Yngwie, they've all seen Paul Gilbert, but I'll get up there and I'll do something, you know, that might impress the lay folk. And that's kind of like that's how I how I feel about it. Like I want to be there with lay people. So right. um maybe the bar regulars, people come in and drink, you know, have a have a beer or two after work or whatever. So, All right, so now the the open mic end. The night is over, club owner walks up, says, Hey, why don't you uh come back two weeks? Um and can you play for two hours for two hundred bucks or hundred and fifty bucks? That's a realistic number. Hundred dollars to two hundred dollars is a realistic number. I say, man, why don't you come back and, and play for a couple hours and uh, we'll give you some, you know, we'll give you some pizza and beer or whatever, um, and we'll give you 150 bucks. Um, what are you going to bring with you? What are you, you going to say and what are you going to bring with you? Um, so, obviously, first, thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come in uh, and followed by, uh, so what, what do you need from me in terms of how we set up and tear down where am I going to be located? Same place as where you're doing the open mic. And then what, what kind of volume levels are you looking at? Like, where do you want me to be in terms of how we sit with, the, you know, how, how important is it that the bar be able to hear the drink orders, et cetera. Are there any, and then the other thing I ask, and this is, this is because I've run into this before. Are there any sporting events that night? So, right. and, and then I try to schedule. So it works for them. So I'm like, look, if, you're going to have, you know, a Cubs game on until 9 p.m. That means I don't need to be here to set up until like 8.15 ish because I'm not going to start playing until 9.15. Yep. So. Um, good, all good questions. <clears throat> but but it's all it's all uh, business oriented. Right. So. Right. I need but to what know. Are you, what are you going to bring with you? So to, here's here's David. He's coming in with his solo act. What are you going to bring with you? For me. Um, yep. I'd rent a PA cab, uh, depending on whether they have a house PA or not. Uh, I bring, I bring a P or rent a PA cab. I'd bring an SM 58. No reason to have any other microphone. Uh, probably some sort of, um, I don't want to say vocal processor. I probably just bring the helix at this point and use that to process my vocals. So I get some compression. Cause that's the main thing you never know yep. unless you rent the board or you own the board, whether it's going to have, you know, assignable compression for the, for the channel you're on. And then I'm just going to bring my uh, my Mark 525. I'll set it, you know, to the appropriate volume, and I'll have my my Helix running four cable with it, and that's it. Uh, there's no real reason for me to do anything more than that. I'll bring two guitars, so that if I break a string, I don't have to fart around with replacing it. And I, I, my wife will come with me usually, just to make sure that, like, you know, I have somebody to watch my gear if I have to take a piss or something. Um, yep. But that's basically it. Okay. <clears throat> That sounds good. So um, I'm sure I'm leaving some things out, but I mean, essentially, right. just the stuff I need to play as far as guitar is concerned. Amp, two guitars, and a, some sort of floor processor so that I can, you know, control my amp. <laughs> now, the reason for two guitars, why? Uh, string breakage. That's really it. Okay. I mean, 
I've been in situations, especially playing by myself, where I've broken a string and I like, had to get through, you know, a song and a half or something before I can change one, and it's, it's ugly. And it, it, I mean, it's not that I can't do it. Um, I have done it, in fact. Um, it's just one of those things where, like, I don't, I get distracted, and then everything else is going to suffer. Especially with me having to handle vocal responsibilities now. If I start doing solo thing, like, I don't want to have to worry about that kind of stuff. So the other, the way I would handle that, I'm, I, I've already been looking at mono cases. I'd probably just get a double gig bag and then, yeah. uh, Kesson can lock that fucker to something <laughs> so nobody <laughs> can walk off with it. <laughs> I tell you, yeah, those mono cases are expensive as a guitar. Yeah. Well, that's, um, I'd leave the guitars in the case and then, and then strap that to something that ain't moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't remember where I was the other night. Saw somebody with two mono cases. Oh, fuck that. Um, yeah. You have $400 in soft cases, dude. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I would bring, um, so I, I have a regular gig outfit, so to speak, that I'd bring. Um, obviously, I've added the voice live. So I would bring the voice live. I have a bag of, I have two bags that I bring with me. One bag has all my quarter-inch cables, and one bag has all my XLR cables. So quarter-inch XLR cables, um, I would bring it with me. I would bring my um, uh, Voice Live. It's also in a, in a bag. Um, I have a Roadrunner case for that. Um, obviously, my mic, my mic stand, my, uh, uh, I'd always bring two guitars. Um, but... Usually it's not because of string breakage, although I do want to be ready for that. I'll tune one to drop D mm-hmm. and one. Yeah, to so you one. have so you have that available when you need it, right? Um, I always bring two microphones. You know, um, <clears throat> I bring a uh, um, I bring a power strip um, speaker. Yeah, um, I mean, I speaker. I always carry the cables too. That's in a separate. It's not well. It's not even a separate bag anymore. I put in a helix and carry surge right. vector and all that. You got to have backup because you never know what the hell they're going to have. Exactly. Even if, even if they tell you they're going to have something, you're never really sure they're going to have it. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's the thing. You know, when you have, um, so you go in, they'll say, "Oh yeah, here's here." So here's the two dangers. Here's the two questions that you left out that are real important. Um, I, I can come up with more, but these are two huge ones. Number one, power. I'm going to get my power. Um, be ready to have to run all your gear out of one hole. Yep. So I've had to do that. Um, number two. Um, and, and I, I, I'm always ready for that. Um, so I bring a 15, um, I don't have it behind me, but, uh, at home Depot or Lowe's or wherever you go, you can get them at Walmart. Now they make a really long, yeah, just a, yeah. With 15 things in it. That way you never have to worry about wall warts getting in the way or not getting in the way. Just get everything in, plug it in. Try not to um, be plugged in where they've got one of those lights, those neon signs. Yeah, and just be aware that those are those are not surge suppressors. Those are just strips. So you need to plug that into a suppressor. I want um, a Furman or a surge suppressor or something like that. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, I put I put that into a surge suppressor into the wall. Right, that's what um, I would do too. I have a small surge suppressor I bring with me. That's like that. That isn't. Don't get the ten dollars surge suppressor from Walmart. No, do, get yourself do, a Furman. Right, get yourself a good one. 
That's like I said, I use a Furman, but you can use whatever you want. Be willing to spend 30, 40 bucks. <laughs> well, it's, the Furman, the Furman has line, uh, line conditioning in it, which is why yeah. for 40 bucks, I mean, you can't beat that. I'm saying. So, uh, that's why, you know, and those go on the special once in a while, the daily pick or the musician's friends, uh, stupid deal. Um, I'm addicted to those things. I finally took out, uh, as an aside, I finally grabbed my bags and I put all my XLRs and my um, quarter inches into one bag each to make it nice and easy for myself. Because I was like, they were splayed all over the place. They have to weigh 20 pounds a piece. That's how they Yeah, I, I'm looking at right next to me. Right next to me, there's, um, I want to say it's like a 20 quart. It's a big bin, right? And it's filled with cables, and that thing weighs easily like thirty-five pounds. And I believe it's just XLRs and quarter inches in there. My power cables are in another bin, the same size, and it's equally heavy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I have the, um, and that's the other thing. Always because most of your gear, um, most of your gear, not all of your gear. If you have like I do, you have the um, the power, the Voodoo Lab power thing for your pedals. Mm-hmm. That takes um, those. Those standard, I like to call them computer. I, I know there's a, there's a name IEC for, mains. Thank you, IEC. Make sure you have a few of those with you. I like to have four or five of them in my bag. They make really good ones that you can buy um, that we used to use for servers. And so um, a company I, I won't name used to throw them away. So I take them, take them home. I asked my boss, sorry if I could take them, but she said it was all right. So yeah, and, and it's and you know what, you end up with five thousand of them before it's over with. I threw yeah. out a garbage bag full at one point. Oh my god! But what I was getting at is because servers, the way servers plug into a um, uh, a rack, um, they don't use the three prong right. thing for the for the wall. They actually plug in both ends like it's a, an extension cord for. It acts like an extension cord for one of those. So it's nice, heavy duty, sturdy. It's made to hold a lot of power. Really well, really well built. I, I recommend getting some of those too. Yeah, they're tough as nails. And the other thing is, uh, you can get for service hour, power supplies if you're if you're you know you source them that way. You can get the uh, the Y cables, and so uh, yep. you can run into ground problems there. But in a pinch, yep. it might save your ass. So it's yep. it's worth having one or two of them. Yep. Um. So what did I say? Oh, and then um. So I said power. The other side of it is, am I going to be indoors or outdoors? Don't yeah. make assumptions. That's why the first question I ask is, where am I going to be setting up at? Because yeah. if you're going to be outside, the next question needs to be, am I going to be covered? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 there's two reasons you want to be covered. Um, one of is the obvious one, rain. But I tell you, down, down here, rain can be sideways. So even cover can be useless. The other side of it, and again, this can go sideways on you, the sun. Oh, let me tell you, you do a summer gig or bird shit outside. Oh, bird shit's just as bad. Um, I have, I have heard s- horror stories. This never happened to me though. So if anybody's played in Virginia beach, the, um, uh, the 32nd street stage, Oh my God. It just, there's this big, huge, um, it, over by the, the King Neptune, uh, um, statue. It's this huge stage and it's, it's really nice and it's really huge. And it's, and it's also um, uh, exposed to the sun most of the time, <laughs> and the and the um, cover is like eighteen feet above you, 
So if it rains, it's useless. I mean, it's like, it's just this ridiculous thing that I'm like, what, why do you, this cover is great. If, you know, or if the rain is coming straight down, which at the beach, it will never come straight down. It will always come from the east blowing in. That's what it does. It's the ocean breeze does. <laughs> anyway, um, those are things to ask. So. Trying to think, I I want to give a gig horror story, and I'm trying to think. Yeah. Of, I'm trying to think of a good a good one. Oh, I got a good one while you're waiting. Yeah, so go for I, it. I'll, I'll give you a good one. So, gig horror story. First, I'm going to give you the funny gig horror story. So, I was on stage. We were doing um, uh, a song, and I can't remember exactly what the song was, but it will come to me. Um, and there was this young lady dancing in front of me. We, a lot of folks were dancing. This young lady dancing in front of me. And her boyfriend or husband or whatever was playing pool. And uh, she was trying to make him jealous, I guess. You know, drunks don't make any sense at all. I know, so, the, I know this story. I know where you're going. She decided that she was going to go ahead and flaunt her um, wares in front, of the, in front of the band. And um, the, this part of the... This part is funny, then the horror story comes in. So she decides to flaunt her wares in front of me. And um, I, I had been looking away. So when I looked back, I saw her and it kind of took me aback. So I fell backwards because I thought she was a little closer than she was. And I did not want to make physical contact. <laughs> you didn't want to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't know what she was carrying other than, you know, other than her. Uh, other than bag. trouble. So, yeah. So I backed up a little, which then I tripped and I fell into the drummer's stand, the drum, the bass drum. My head hit the um, cymbal in the middle. You know how they put oh. a little splash cymbal in between. Yeah. And so that splash and then bounced off and I fell onto the stage. And it was just everything come crashing down. Everybody was laughing. Of course, her boyfriend got mad and they got into a fight and left. But later, this is this is the horror story. So I can't tell you how many times that women have done that in front of me at a gig. I mean, it happens all the time. And um, I here's here's the thing that uh, I want to say. It's that then the wives got jealous. Like the husbands did something to cause this to happen. Not my wife. My wife doesn't care. Yeah, but they, <laughs> but, but the band wives, right? The band wife, all of a sudden, and, and let me tell you something, nothing is worse than a band wife. Nothing. Because they want to tell you how to, they want to tell you what. They, want, they think they're in the band. They think they, yeah. they think they have the skills and abilities to run the band. They think they're management. Now, if anybody has seen, Spy, this is Spinal Tap, and you see that hippie woman that's. You mean you know, Yoko Ono? Oh, I mean, uh, everybody. Yeah, what's her face? The Janice yeah. or Janet or whatever. Um, <clears throat> that's. That's what happens. And so now all of a sudden it's like these women, oh, well, I, I want my husband to have to do this and that and the other thing. And, and I'm like, look, the women are going to be in the audience. And if they show themselves, that's not his fault. That's not my fault. It's not anybody's fault. That is just that is just something that happens. And for you to get mad is just for you to say that I don't trust my husband enough standing right in front of me with a piece of wood in his hand. That between him and everybody <laughs> and a mic stand that he will not go after women. 
you really have serious problems if that's your if if that <laughs> needs to happen. And your your husband doesn't belong in a band at that point. Well, Just stay at home. I have some beliefs on why this occurs, but we'll save that for the, for later. But um, okay, go go on. No, I'm just saying. Um, so then they they started going. Oh well, you have to sing this song and you have to sing that song. Yeah, yeah. We talked about is, that before in an earlier episode. Yeah, um, as it is, I'm not crazy about the other musicians telling me what I have to sing. I if I'm this, I don't tell you what to drum. Don't tell me what to sing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you go to me, hey, I can't do that song. It's too tough to drum, or I can't do that song. It's too it's too tough for me to. I don't. I'm not good at Van Halen, or I'm not good at playing. Um, That's a good way know, way to get thrown out of the band. But all of a sudden, if I can't sing, oh well, if you can't do this Journey song, you can do all these other Journey songs, but you can't sing this one. No, oh, you must suck. Uh, let's hear you sing one. You know? Oh, you can't sing it the second song of the night. You can't do "Don't Stop Believing." Well, first of all, no, and second of all, it doesn't belong as the second song. You know, it's like yeah. But those are the things that you get. Uh, I can't. I'm kind of glad I'm going solo for a little while. Yeah. Those- well, sometimes you need a break, you know, and especially because I know at least in the band that you were in, like you were trying a whole bunch of new material that you normally wouldn't have picked. And it was yeah. like, well, you know, you felt like you were being pushed in a different direction. And it's kind of funny because they're all going and doing that same material. So it's pretty clear, at least to me, for the psychology of the situation, that they were pushing for that. Uh-huh. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, it, like, take a song like Burning Down the House, which is really a boring song. Okay. You know? Yeah, nobody wants to hear that in a club. I'm sorry, but, it, oh. it, I mean, yeah, they might enjoy it, but they're not, like, requesting it. That's not going to no. bring people out, you know what I mean? Like, that, I'm not going to be at home, like, on a Friday night and be like, oh, man. You know, Retrosonics playing down there, and I heard they played "Burning Down the House." Yeah, like, what the See, fuck? That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're choosing your songs, you've got to remember that it may be one song somebody stays for. They may come in and have a beer and hear one song. What's what's? If you have a list of songs that's forty-two songs deep, then that one song in any of those forty-two songs, you always hear this. Oh, it's beginning of the night. Doesn't matter. It's early. Wait a minute. No, no, it does matter. Every single that song might get matters. somebody to stay, especially in today's world of, of instant communication with with um, uh, Facebook Live and all the other social people. Media. Do, just just my perspective, just my perspective. People don't stay in bars for hours anymore. No, they don't. They don't. They go in there. They're in there for an hour. They have a, they have a drink or two that- and then they leave. And I don't. I don't even see the drunks the way I used to. No. Like, uh, just going with my because I don't. I don't actually go into bars all that often. But going with my parents, they go on Saturday night to uh, karaoke at a local a local bar, and um, I'll go over there and I'll have some bar food, you know, and because yep. I, I have great food there, and I go and I sit with them, and I'm like, there's no drunks at this place. It just doesn't. It doesn't get rowdy like that anymore. And it used to no. be like I can remember hearing from, you know, the people I knew that did frequent these places or the times I was going to play, seeing people who are just fucking hammered. And it oh, just yeah. they don't do that anymore. I don't I mean oh. I, I I'm sure those people are like, I'll just stay home and get drunk. It's cheaper. Because the price of 
drinks has gone up. I mean, oh, the, the cost of the drinks have gone up, the insurance on the bar. And that's what I'm going to get to the next thing. So, so many people, um, the, the thing that, that they're trying to do, um, is this, that it, here's what I hear from band, um, members all the time. I'm only, I only want to play what I want to play. I want to do songs I like. Well, and, and what they forget is that that's fine. If you want to play in your garage, in your basement, well, you have your- to balance it out too. You can't be like, all right, I got this one fucking Anvil song that I love. And that's, that's the only song I care about playing. Like, listen, that's not how you're going to get gigs. Okay. Nobody no. even knows who the fuck Anvil is. I mean, they do now, but I mean, it's not like they're still well, not twisted no. sister or quiet they're riot. Not- you know what I mean? Um, if you're, if you're in for that kind of music, you would be better off picking a Twisted Sister song or a Quiet Riot song. Like, it, you got, you got to kind of take the good with the bad and understand that, you know, this song is not a winner. Right. Well, there's that. Um, so you do, even if you get, uh, let's say you, you're picking da- Eric Clapton, you know, you'll say, oh yeah, you know what? We're going to do Eric Clapton. Okay. Let's do cocaine. Let's do, um, right. uh, you know, tears in heaven. Let's do, um, you know, uh, crossroads, crossroads. Let's do um, the the big cream song. Yeah, you can do a bunch you know? of like, like "Sunshine of Your Love" and "Sunshine of Your room. Love," right? Um, no, uh, let let's do or badge. No, let's do uh, this song nobody ever heard of, but um, Clapton did let's it do, one time. Let's do key. To, let's do key to the highway. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many fucking open mics I've seen where somebody has tried to do key to the highway, and it's like his oh, yeah, version, I, okay? Because it's not his song. I know. I know. And then you you sit there and you go, what the hell are you thinking? Nobody knows this song. It, you want to know a way to clear out a bar? Do Rush. Yeah. Do a Rush song. Oh, I don't. So that even that depends in my in my area. Like you did a Rush song, everybody would stop and listen. Um, it's just weird. We have we have a very strange musical culture around here. Um, yeah, you're in the and see that that's also area dependent you come around here sure but this is a this is a tourist town you try to play yyz and everybody look like you look at you like you're insane i would not be saying i, I would not be advocating uh, a local band to play yyz i would I'm i would say right now play believe it or not i think i'm gonna lay out a track for yyz yeah but play tom sawyer like you know what i mean like i could totally see you know like tom sawyer or something like that but not yyz like um but that being said you know we, we talked in the, earlier in this episode about the fundamental differences between the way that we're approaching this. And I think, I think I kind of want to get back to that a little bit, which is this, like this idea that you approach it as a vocalist who's playing guitar. And for me, the, the guitar is the most important part of what I do. And so I, I know that like, okay, my vocals don't, ha- I don't even, I don't think about my voice to be honest with you. It's just one of those things where it's like, the guitar is going to make up for this. And I know that I have to do that. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to wreck it. And that's the way I look at it. Um, and it gives me a whole different mentality and confidence to say that my guitar is more important to me and what I do than everything else. Now the audience may not see it that way. And that, that harkens back to this whole discussion, which is that if the audience doesn't care about, you know, seeing this crazy guitar player doing his thing, right. I'm fucked, you know, um, that being said, I, I like to think that I can, I can throw a little bit of stuff in there. I mean, I used to play behind my head, behind my back and all that shit to get people to, you know, yep. pay attention. 
and I could do all that stuff. So I got to dust all that shit off because I know I'm going to need it if I'm doing this by myself. Um, yeah, you're a little you're physically it's going to be a little different from you these days. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the only thing I can't do is I can't fit into my old pants. Yeah, uh, they're like they they would I could if I could sew both pant legs together I might get one pant leg on. Yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah. Um, so all joking aside about our own weight, um, yeah, I think that see with me I'm going to go out there and and my objective is simple I'm going to uh, play um, guitar, right? But I'm going to play it um, the best I can. But I can I can sing like if I forget a chord, if I blow a chord, I can sing well enough that that the singer isn't going to get knocked out. (laughs) I'm going to be okay. where if, um, you know, if I'm playing with somebody else, I'm a little more, you know, I'm a little more conscious of that. But sometimes I'll I'll try something, especially when I'm solo, that I'm like, "Mm, you know what? I could try that because I know I can sing so well. I I can. It's a lot easier to go in with a well-oiled machine of a band and like let them carry you at certain times. It is. It's going to be real because I've never done a solo show. So for me, this is like I've done open mics and things like that, like, you know, 50 minutes or a half hour. I've never done like an hour or two hour set where it's just me. And like I know that's going to be a hell of a job. And I'm not. As I said, I'm trying to pick songs where the vocals are not as important, um, and that I have done. I have done as many as four hours on a regular basis with with like an hour break or a 15 minute break. I had a, um, I had two 20 minute breaks, um, one between hour one and two, no three, one between hour one and two, one between hour two and three, and one between three and four. I have done four hours as a solo artist. And that was without any effects pedals whatsoever. That was, you know what my rig was back then? I used a, a Fender Acoustic 90. Well, why don't you tell us about your busking, Jim? Because oh, wow. that's pretty much right there. You don't even have a fucking audience, okay? Nope. I had no, I, so I didn't even know busking existed. I grew, in a, I grew up in a town where busking didn't exist, right? You didn't. You didn't have corner musicians or street musicians. And so I went in the Navy. I was in, I was in France. I was in Toulon, France. And I see this guy playing guitar and had an open case and people were throwing francs into it. Or as the French call them, francs. So, uh, so it's Frankenstein. You're like, well, shit, so I can do that. You're like, you're like, I can do that. I said, shit, I can do that. So I went back to the, to the ship. I grabbed my Yamaha. Went out there, opened my case, and I started playing. And people threw money in there. Well, I was close enough to a little place, a little um, pizza beer place. And the guy, I know enough French and he knew enough English. We worked something out and I went inside and I played. And the next thing I knew, every time I stopped into a, um, a place overseas, that's how I made money. I would, I would busk somewhere near a club and then the club would invite me in. And then I would play. And I did that in uh, uh, St. Cl- St. Thomas and St. Croix and St. John in Germany, Italy, France, Spain, Portugal. Um, let's see, Israel, um, Greece. So you're going to have no problem getting back to that. 
No, no. I, I know enough songs that literally I, it's not about learning songs or creating a set list or anything like that. I'll learn a couple, like I'll learn Wagon Wheel and Red Soul Cup and a couple other stupid songs that you're supposed to know to do these things. But for the most part, it's really just going to be me learning to use the new technology. Yeah. Because I haven't done a solo act since 2003, four. So it's been 14, 15 years more. Um, 15, 16 years, whatever. And uh, I'm, you know, so those days of having the acoustic, I loved that. I had that little Fender um, acoustic 90 behind me, or 60, whatever it was. No, it was a 120, because it had uh, 60 watts for the guitar and 60 watts for the vocal. And they were kind of, even though they were in the same cabinet, one speaker was for vocals, if I understand it right, if I understood it right. And one speaker was for guitar and so you had a separate amp really inside the thing half the thing was built for guitar and half it was but it was acoustic so it had no you know effects except a little delay some reverb that was it little chorus i think on the um and i never used i didn't use a pedal i didn't do anything matter of fact my guitar didn't even have controls like a volume control it was just a nine volt battery and out and i just Pop it in and go. That's how cheap and shitty my guitar was. Um, it's it's hanging right here. It was a Takamini Jasmine. God. That's anybody who knows the Takamini Jasmine line knows how shitty and cheap it was. Um, so yeah, that's um. I'll tell you that 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 uh, I don't really think about it much anymore. But the the truth is that that little guy right there and that's uh, this guitar that I've got pulled apart which was a, a, a guitar called a Bentley. Um, right now it's pulled apart because i got to get a new preamp for it. It at least had a little um, volume knob and a tone knob. Um, <clears throat> no built-in tuner. Neither one of them has built-in tuner. And then I have a 12-string um, uh, uh, ovation. But um, anyway, the uh, Bentley, I had through the 80s and into the 90s, that is the one, this guitar right here traveled it has been all the way around the world with the exception of Asia. It hasn't been to Asia. Um, so that thing hasn't been to China and, you know, up the, yeah. you know, I mean, um, it's been into the Black Sea and it's been up into Russia. So I guess that is technically Asia, right? The, the east side or west side of Asia, but um, it's never been over to the middle, the far east or the, you know, it's been in the Middle East, never the far east. That guitar right there has played for literally millions of people around the world, that, that little guitar right there. So that's why, I mean, it, it got dropped. The, the bottom bout is smashed. Um, but you still got to hang it up because it's memorabilia. It's Well, yeah, and, and I had the band America sign it, and so I got to get a new preamp in it. I got to put about, what, 60, 80 bucks into it, get a little um, Fishman. I'll, I'll see to it that it's buried with you. But I'm probably just going to, instead of running the, because the, the, the bout where the, the, what happened was I was on the ship and I was getting ready to go to a gig with it. And um, I walked outside of the, the space and I had to go down three levels um, or two levels straight down. And I dropped it and it landed right on the butt end of the guitar. Boom. And the, the preamp just got pushed right <laughs> And I was like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. So I had to mic it that night, and it hasn't worked since. 
um, as far as the preamp goes. Um, so I've had to mic it ever since. So, but um, uh, I don't think I've changed the strings on it in 15 years. So it's pretty rusty then. It's, oh yeah, those, those strings literally, I haven't pulled off and tied in a knot. Yeah. They're not putting any tension on the neck. Um, but it's, it's going to get, uh, it's going to get serviced. It's, it's worth the money to in the memory. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like me playing it in 1985 in a club, um, back when I was doing a duet in uh, Virginia beach, I'll put it up on the, on the Facebook page. Yeah. So, um, hopefully, I mean, and I look at my solo thing as a means to an end. So like, I don't necessarily plan on doing this for any length of time. Um, but I got to do it. Like it's, it's just, I got to do it. I got to make sacrifice. I don't know enough people. And, um, I'm going to do, I'm, what I'm going to do first is I'll probably just do little three song sets and open mics until I meet some people. Hopefully that will work out. So I don't have to play our, or two hour sets of me doing the singing and trying to use my guitar playing to hold everybody's attention. Um, so what, I have enough what tricks. What kind of music would you be doing to do that? Um, let me give me a give me an example. Well, I'm gonna be playing like Purple Haze. I'm gonna be playing. Um, I, I'm starting out with Hendrix material, but there's other stuff in the list. I'm pulling it up so I can um, go through it. So like, mm-hmm. uh, there's some Hendrix in here, some Deep Purple, uh, some ZZ Top, um, Myron Maiden. Uh, which really? probably, which that would go. So it really just depends on how I structure the set and there's black Sabbath and stuff like that. So if I do, if I do a set that's more of like in a biker bar kind of place, then I can, then I can play iron maiden, deep purple and black Sabbath and maybe some Led Zeppelin. If I'm yep. in a place that's more like suburban, I can get away with the more hippie esque stuff. So like Jimi Hendrix comes out doors, um, I've got some Janis Joplin stuff I know. Yeah, some um, Skinner. Yeah, I mean that the the standard stuff you can you can apply in those situations too. So it's it's about knowing your audience. Um, what would I want to be playing? Uh, probably a lot of Hendrix, um, Deep Purple, The Doors. If it's just a cover thing, right? Um, and then of course some of my own tunes, which are right. not. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't know how they even fit with stuff from the sixties and seventies that I really admire because my music tends to be a lot more progressive. So I'm even thinking about going back and like scrapping a lot of material that I've written and starting fresh with a more band feel where lay down a groove and then build a guitar part around that. Um, So I don't know. It's like, that's going to be a whole nother thing at this point. I'm just, I need to get out in front of people and I need to meet some guys that I can work with in order to put together a band that's maybe not necessarily business focused, but like we'd like to get paid kind of deal um, so that we can write some tunes and, and mix them in what we have. So I'm, I'm, I'm double dipping. I want to meet a, yeah. a, guys that I can record so I can put my own material out. But at the same time, I also want to blind their pockets a little bit by going and playing places. So even if that means I have to take a little bit less money off the, off the yeah. bill to get, you know, some quality players. Like I'll, yep. I'll do, I'll do a 60, 40 split or whatever it's got to be to, in order to make that happen yeah. um, where I'm taking a smaller share. So, yeah, I, 
mine is a means to an end as well. I think that I'd rather, I, what I want to do is get to where I can play um, and uh, have a group of people who come out with me um, and play with me. But I want to build the band organically instead of like joining something that's already done. What, um, so uh, I'll talk a little bit about joining bands that already exist. Typically, yeah. they're not willing to learn anything you know. They, this is the this is the um, this is the uh, uh, speech I get every time. Well, uh, you're coming in, so you need to learn all of our stuff before we go learning anything new. Uh, that translates to we just want to sit here and drink beer while you do all the work, and then when you know all the songs, like in three days, because every fucking one of them is in the key of E, A, or G. That's it. That's like sixty percent of material in general. <laughs> exactly. So now you know all the songs. You have all the words memorized, and then it's like, yeah, well, that's kind of outside of our genre. We were kind of thinking of doing something, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, progressive. Oh, really? Something more progressive, like what? Well, we want to do this old uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan song. That yeah, that's that's pretty progressive. Why don't you tell me more about how you're progressing? <laughs> you know, I, I, so I, 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 yeah. I've heard this. I've heard this story from other people. I've fortunately, I've never had the the um, misfortune of being able to join a band in progress, which I think is actually a blessing. Curse. Um, you're the hired gun, right? right? So that's the way that they they approach it, and you don't have a say. You don't really actually belong here. You're we're just yep. paying you so we can make money. Off. And that's that's always what that situation is, and. So that's kind of why I've not really sought it out. I mean, I could easily probably audition and get into a group. I did an audition one time. It was the audition from hell and I haven't done it since. Um, And it's just one of those, one of those um, decisions I've made that is based on the fact that I've heard stories like this where people come in and they're, and they're literally told, Hey, look, um, we need you to learn all our material, which is fine. You know, you're coming into the band. Like, I totally, I totally understand and accept that. But then it's like, well, um, you're a member of this band, but only so far in as, you know, like you're here to perform and, and you get a cut of the money, but like, we're still, you know, choosing material and all that. And that, I mean, nobody, nobody wants somebody to come in and usurp the band. Like, I, I'm sure you've been on the other side of the fence, Jim, where you've had to hire somebody to bring them in. But I think, a lot of us as a per, as an individual are probably looking at that situation going, we really want to bring somebody in that we get along with, that we can actually do something with. But yep. as a unit, everybody's like, yeah, but this already works and we know this works. So we don't want to, we don't want to change the formula. Oh, there's there. Okay. So there's that side of it. <clears throat> if, if you're a band that, okay. Uh, that somebody's coming into, all right, I, I joined the North 40 band. I'll give I'll give out the name because it's gone anyway. I joined the North 40 band. They were a country band. It was very popular in upstate New York for a long time. Um, had their own record, was offered a record deal, turned it down because nobody was going to go on tour from the band. Right. So the record was sold organically, still sold a lot of copies. And um, I would I would play gigs where I was autographing uh, an album I wasn't even on. Okay. Um, we didn't play, we turned our noses up at stuff that other, you know, other bands would 
beg. Yeah, because you because you are at the position where you actually had option. Right. We were like, no, we're not playing there. We're not doing that. And we would throw those bones. We would never go, no, we're not doing it, and then just leave it. Yeah, you'd be we like, well, we got somebody better for, this, better for this. Yeah, we've got somebody that will, yeah, that will work out better for you. I think that'll be a better fit, and so on and so forth. Anyway, the um, the point is that when it came time to um, play uh, for them, I went in and I learned their songs, and I never once suggested anything. But this band had it already. Yeah. They they were the cream of the crop as far as and country. When, and when they brought in another bass player, what did they do? They put me over to guitar. Yeah, they, kept, they actually kept him. They kept me. And and they said, all right, Jim, you know what? We're bringing the bass player back, who was the original bass player that had been on their record. Um, they actually did too. And um, uh, when he came back, uh, they um, they said, we'd like you to stay. We don't want you to leave. Do you want to go over to guitar? And they had me play lead rhythm guitar, um, second lead rhythm, so that the singer, the lead singer, could focus on singing and not playing as much. Awesome. So, yeah, and that was um, that was a lesson in in learning that uh, you know, as long as you're the person that they can get along with and that they like. Now, the downside of it is was that the bass player um, wouldn't show up for rehearsal half the time anyway. So guess who played bass at rehearsal? Yeah, you were still guitar. playing bass at rehearsal and then playing guitar yeah. when they when you were live and he actually showed up. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, you play and sing his parts at rehearsal, but you play and sing your parts. Yeah, yeah. So you don't I get was, to rehearse, Jim. Yes, yeah. <laughs> sorry. But it was it was such a a wonderful experience and such a um, uh, I would I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, and I would work with those guys again. Unfortunately, our lead, our other lead guitar player passed away. Um, he just one day had a heart attack, and that was that. That was that was extremely sad. That's, that a, was a that's sad a day. devastating, and that kind of ended everything. Yeah, that, I mean that's a devastating thing that happens, especially to a band that's not like a top forty. I mean, well, hell, look at look at bands we've had it happen. Like the the classic examples, Metallica and and yeah. uh, Burton, and they were on tour and they finished the fucking tour. Yeah. Like what in the hell? I mean, no, no, no one of a smaller size, like, you know, a regional successful band is going to be like, we got to finish the tour. They, they they don't feel that level of commitment. It's just not going to be, I mean, I, this, I'm generalizing, but right. You're going to say, you know, he was heart and soul of this thing. And like, we can't go on, you know? Yeah, really. It was, um, it was a family. That was the thing about the North 40 that was, we were a family. And so when we lost, um, we lost a member to, uh, to that, that was a part of us that, that died with him. And, uh, so we moved on. So, um, wow, that sucks the air out of the room, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I'm taking a moment to reflect on, you know, so out of my- <laughs> hearing, the, hearing these bad situations. Cause Obviously, we've all we've all probably, and if you haven't experienced one, you will at some point. Um, a toxic situation in a, in a band where, um, you know, for whatever reason, you're the yeah. odd man out, or you know, maybe maybe you're the other side. You know, maybe you're the guy that's like, I'm the bee's knees, and everybody's like loves what I do, and I'm the the reason you know that we exist, and uh, I don't like this particular person. And I mean that first time where you have to actually either let go of a band member or sit down and have the conversation about why what's not working. Um, I had to do that 
in my first band um, when I was in high school. I sit down with a guy that, uh, I guess I should talk a little bit about the band's makeup. So we actually were from two separate high schools. Um, Anthony and myself, Anthony was a drummer. Uh, I was a guitar player. We met at, at our high school, and then we put out an ad because um, we were intrepid. Uh, at I would think it was 17 when I put up the ad. And we met um, a bass player from another high school. And yep. then he... Uh, he lucked out and we were looking for a singer and he knew somebody who was kind of crazy and off the wall and willing to do it. So he came in he had no vocal experience and like was not a great singer and was very much coming from a different direction than the rest of the band. And it, it wasn't working out because he wasn't, I don't know whether he was just not, not didn't have the vocal ability or whether he wasn't able to hear things the way that other people are. And and this brings me to like, there is a, a type of person out there who's tone deaf who literally doesn't, they can't oh, yeah. hear it in notes and melodies. Um, I don't think he was one of those. I think it was just, he didn't know the right steps to take. So um, we had to, we sat him down at one gig. He did something on stage that we were like, that really doesn't fit what we're doing. And we were, we were pretty frustrated. And I won't go into specifics of it. It wasn't anything embarrassing for, for anybody involved. I, I just don't want to drag him to the mud. He might be a potential listener. Um, and I, I said, you know, with me and everybody else, we sat, we all sat down, and had our, you know, our third party discussion before he got to a rehearsal, and we said, look, it's not working out. Um, I think we need to either cut ties or issue him an ultimatum. Be like, look, you got thirty days to figure out, you know, what you're, what you're doing here, and then we'll reevaluate at that point. And that's what we ended up doing, but like. He knew we knew seventeen or eighteen days in, like this is not going to work out. And we were playing, right. gi- we were playing gigs during this time, right? Um, yep. Because we were, I mean, we weren't. Like I said a high school band. We were really intrepid. We were actually playing bars and we weren't supposed to, and um, right. stuff like that. And uh, finally, when the day came, and he and he basically knew like it wasn't working out, and we told him like you know it, it really sucks, like we didn't want it to be this way, and like. Um, but it, we, we really, in order for us to continue to grow and, and all that, like, that was really difficult. And that was the first time where I realized, like, I had the power to really mess people up. Because he, yeah. he was not happy about it. He was, he was very upset. But then, so what ended up happening, um, we, singers are the hardest thing to come by when you're in high school. Because people yeah. are, like, very timid, all that. Yeah. Um, and so... We went and put up another ad because that worked before, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we actually got uh, we got a guy who came in and he was he was sixteen and we were all we were all seventeen and eighteen, um, and actually I think it was nineteen at that point. Um, so I was out of high school, I was starting college, and we had this guy come in. He auditioned and he was great, right? He could uh, right. he could sing uh, Led Zeppelin tunes and um, he had a he had a decent voice and. Uh, we did the audition and I, I, we didn't say anything during the audition, but we kind of, you know, it was pretty clear after he left, like we should hire this guy. But the thing that burnt us was that he was like, well, I'm in two other bands already. I like, I like being in multiple bands. So, and we were like, this isn't going to work. So, um, we, we, and, and you know, us being stupid kid was 19. So, or the kid was 16. So, Chances are his other bands were like, 
him and his buddies playing acoustic guitar in his basement. Like yep. it wasn't, Hey, come into this band. that's already established. We're playing gigs regularly. Like we need, you know, somebody to come in and actually like pick the band up. So then that didn't work out. So we hired, uh, we didn't hire anybody. We weren't making any money. So we didn't have any pay anybody. <laughs> um, yeah. but we got, we got a guy from, from my high school that we knew, um, who is again, kind of the same thing, like close friend of the drummer and, uh, just crazy enough to try to make it work. Right. And uh, right. he was our, he was probably our longest term singer. And, uh, he was another guy that I, I didn't see eye to eye with from, from certain things. Like I still, I'm still in communication with him. Like, um, we have a very different idea of politics. And at that time, like I wasn't afraid to wear my heart on my sleeve and like say, you know, Hey, I don't think it should not. Now I'm obviously old enough to realize like, look, Politics is everywhere. It's all bullshit. Um, so I don't even get into those discussions with people unless I'm like yep. really close friend with them now. And um, because we, I, there was anyway, we were butting heads and he quit. He walked away. Wow. So okay. um, that was fine. And I think he fe- I think he felt like there was too much pressure and it wasn't fun because there was pressure. And like he would it was like a yep. job. He had to, he was expected to perform. He's also going yep. through a lot of life problems at that point. So it was like, all right. I get it. We remain friends, like kind of, you know, friend of a friend yeah. t- sort of deal. And, um, I'd talk to him now if I saw him, whatever. But, um, so then we had, this is the best one. So we went to a bar gig, um, where our, the drummer worked. Right. And, um, they had asked us to come because they knew we were, you know, they knew we had been pretty successful and played clubs and stuff. Um, right. And th- through Anthony. So we showed up and we played, and then at the end of the night, the guy that hosts karaoke came up and he sang, um, and talk about love with us. Um, you know, the Van Halen song. And we right, just, yeah. we killed that place. It was, a, yep. it was the best live performance I've ever, I've ever given. And it was as the band as a whole, we sounded great that night. Yep. Um, yep. and so he joined, he actually, he actually, oh, wow. and he was way older than us. He was, he was 10, 10 years older than us. And he's like, he's like, yeah, no, I'll do it. So we rehearsed with him and we were trying to put together gigs. And then I think we played one or two gigs with him. Yeah, we did. We played one or two gigs with him. And then that was that. Right. And it was like, we, the band disintegrated at that point. It was just, we, we'd gone too long without a consistent lead singer. And he was having some yep. personal problems. Actually, he was the guy that, and I, I've told this story to Jim before, but he went home to the Philippines. He was, he's Filipino. Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, he went home to the Philippines and discovered that he had a brother and that, um, that he didn't know about. And that his brother was a, uh, like American Idol style karaoke star in the Philippines. If you don't know the Philippines, like yep. karaoke is like, basically that is an art down there. They have, uh, TV channels devoted to it and everything else. And, yep. uh, it was it was really devastating to him because he was working as a fork, forklift operator, you know, right. doing karaoke on Wednesday nights, and he had the same talents and abilities as his brother. Yeah, but, but his brother was still in the Philippines, and he came to the states. Yeah, so that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah, and they call it karaoke, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. How they, yeah, it, but um, yeah, so. I think we're coming up on our hour. Oh yeah. Um, we're very over an hour. We're an hour and 20 minutes, but I think the so discussion tell, is important enough. I'm going to tell, um, a funny horror story that happened at a gig. And then we'll close um, it out. So I was in a band, um, called second nature and I can call it out because I don't think 
the band has been uh, it it kind of disbanded and we reformed a couple times with different different people. But anyway, so our drummer um, one night was so drunk. How drunk was he? He was so drunk he fell off the the drum stool. <laughs> we were playing we were playing ACDC, um, and I think it was. Uh, um, TNT and you know you're doing the TNT it's just basic <laughs> he just got drunk <laughs> and he was like dynamite and it went, went, one of the one of the times when he said dynamite it just the guy hit the hit the um, the crash for some reason he just fell right into his own drums and his whole kit oh he fell <laughs> forward he didn't even fall backward <laughs> no, he Oh my god. Knocked it all over. Another time, um the uh same band, there were these two uh gals up front and they were like dancing, you know, and uh our guitar player was rocking out, he was killing it, man. Then all of a sudden his his guitar got this weird, it was like going wow, 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 and I was like, what's going on? That sounds weird. One of the girls was dancing. Standing on his mop pedal. My God. My God. She didn't know it, but she was. Yeah, she bet she pretty drunk. She drunk. Um, uh, all right, Jim. Yeah, those were those were good times. All right, David. All right. So uh, I've been David. Uh, I've been Jim. And the grudge. <laughs> whatever whatever the hell that thing does um i, I need a haircut because i'm starting to look like that but anyway uh yes you are you're starting to look oh, fuck you jim you ain't got no damn beard i know i shaved it off it's so embarrassing i cannot do any videos where i show my face and, and we have been the practical, the practical guitarists, guitarists.